Welcome back to part three of Full Tilt Malo. When we last left, our hero, for lack of a better term, arrived in the rough and tumble rail town of Cremation. While bedding down for the night at the inn run by Heavens to Betsy, Malone stumbled across a plot to assassinate Prefontaine Labarge, the beloved leader of the disgruntled workforce. Malone fought off the assassins, but failed to save Labarge, taking a bullet in the process for his trouble. Thus continues the continuation of my sordid tale. Morning, Big Spender. Malone woke in a second-floor bedroom of Hell's Bells to Heavens to Betsy dabbing his head with a wet cloth. Death must have been mighty disappointed when he reeled in your empty hook. You saved me. Least I could do for the man who lays down thirteen dollars without even bruising up my girls' faces. Malone looked down to see the horrific stitch job that Betsy had done on his wound. I'm more the town's doctor out of necessity than skill. It'll hold, though. At least long enough for you to get back on your heels to fight off the next group of war metal killers. I was just trying to help my... Labarge, is he? Passed on, I'm afraid. Could have been a lot worse if you weren't so handy with the steel. Leave it to the old man to bring in someone like you to help with the fight. Uh, I wasn't... Could you could you give me a moment alone? Sure thing, doll. Me and the girls will be downstairs if you need anything. You just rest now, hero. <laughs> Time to get up. Bloody hell! Effigy Burns slid out from under the bed and sat beside Malone. You passed the test, kiddo. Test? Was this the crucible? What? No. No one passed the crucible. This was just a test. A test? Four men are dead. This land was built on the graves of dead men. War metal employs those who can stand the smell. So, what? You sent me out here to see if I'd get killed? We sent you out here to see the Grenzi assault, kid. Welcome to the company. Now can you move? We got a train to catch. We're We're leaving? What do we do about the workers? Well, for starters, they're all coming with us. They'll be given raises and all the full-course meals they can stomach. After all, we need them healthy for the medal ceremonies. Really? No! These spike-hammering rail monkeys have made their proverbial bets, and they can proverbially lie in them. But they're dying out here. So? What do you think they're here for? The train leaves in an hour. Don't make me come and fetch you. I hate fetching. Will Tallulah be there? Uh, I have to speak with her. <sighs> you just don't get it, do you? Tallulah has moved on. She took none too kindly to you walking out on her. You abandoned the girl. I am not entirely unsympathetic, but you are married to the rails now. Effigy stood to dust off his back and handed Malone a pocket watch. Oh, no, no, no. One hour. Uh, thanks, I'll... Put it with the others. Malone stepped out into the blinding desert sun, hunched over from his wound. Evans to Betsy caught him before he left town. Malone! You're sure you won't stay? This town is one hero short already. I'm sorry. I've got a woman that deserves an explanation. Well, fine. You know... 
I'd love to meet the cold mistress that would take in a man content to leave a whole town to shrivel up and die out on the cold eastern frontier. You have yourself a nice trip, Mr. Malone. Here's your $13 back. Have yourself a drink on me and the girls when you get back to San Francisco. You company men are all the damn same. Emaciated workers lined the street to the train station, watching angrily as Malone limped toward the all-black war metal express. The Eastern Zephyr Limited set a mobile on a sidetrack. Looky Lou, a Chinese rail worker, stepped out and spat on the street in front of Malone. <laughs> Screw you! Come on, man. On board the War Metal Express, Malone took a seat in an empty car. Through the window, he could see the workers burying Labarge in a hilltop cemetery, when he was interrupted by effigy thrusting a glass of champagne in his face. Welcome to the company, company man. Malone watched the funeral for a moment before chugging the champagne. Give me one moment, please. And jumping off the slow-moving train. Effigy followed close behind and drew his pistol. Where you going, company man? Nobody turns their back on war metal. Stop saying that. I am not your damn company man. You got nothing left. No friends, no woman, and if you leave, no job. So what's it gonna be, Cavendish? The name's Malone. <gasps> what? And all this time I think I'm recruiting a man. But in fact, you're nothing but a spud farming Irishman. I'll kiss the Blarney Stone, Malone, and listen to this Irish lullaby. People, please, stand back. I'll handle this. Very well. You've all called for your own reckoning. Hell is coming to cremation, and you will all burn! Effigy boards the War Metal Express, leaning out of the doorway as it picks up speed out of town. You will all burn! Later that day, Malone sought refuge from the hopes and prayers of the desperate rail workers in the town cemetery. He thought of nothing but escape. Unfortunately, he found himself standing before the grave of the man what brung him. Here lies Prefontaine Labarge. Born one day, died another. The train's run on time. I wish you were here, old man. This town needs a hero, and what they got is me. A city man, a coward, and an actor to boot. And what's so bad about that? Betsy, sorry I didn't see you there. I'm in way over my head here, Betsy. Do you know that you're the only man since Labarge to come to this town and actually do some good in this hellhole? For all the dames and whiskey, what these men really needed was someone to believe in. Someone to save them. To save all of us. But Labarge was a hard man. I'm just an actor. Come with me. Taking advantage of what was supposed to be a somber day off, the Girls of Hell's Bells were putting on a burlesque show for the grieving workers. What are we doing back here? I don't need a drink. What do you see here, Mr. Malone? Strippers? Think, Mr. Malone. 
Are these women truly dying to reveal their wares to a bunch of filthy, starving rail workers? No. They are pretending. Acting. And yet, they have united these men into a single mode of thinking. All of these men have one thing on their minds. And that, Mr. Malone, is acting. So, you want me to dance? I want you to unite these men with a different purpose. I want you to unite them to take back this town. Now, go break a damn leg. As night fell at the old war metal estate, Atlantis was adjusting his grandfather clock when Effigy peeked out from behind it. Uh, bad time, sir. News of the old man. He's dead. A telegram would have sufficed. Uh, There are other concerns. (sighs) It's Tallulah's husband. He's lied to us. He's actually Malone. An Irishman. An Irishman? I'm afraid it gets worse. He has stayed behind in cremation. I believe he plans on saving the town. (sighs) And I wish our little traitor good luck. However, the insurance on my government rail contracts doesn't pay off on workers who are merely thirsty. It would appear that we need to speed things along. Gather up the men. I need to break some hard news to my daughter. Across town at the Malone household, Tallulah placed logs in her fireplace. A vase of wilting flowers loomed overhead on the mantel. She reached for it with a trembling hand, before sensing a presence behind her. What do you want, Father? I'm afraid I have tragic news of your husband. I don't care to hear it. I just want to be left alone. But you must. I'm afraid Mr. Malone has been killed trying to steal from the company. What? But how? How could... Wait. What did you call him? Yes, sweet Tallulah, I know. I wish your deceit stopped at merely covering up something so shameful as an Emerald Isle lineage. But he has gone much further, and it cost him his life. I don't believe you. He may be an Irishman, but he is no thief. That may seem hard to believe, but I know it in my bones. He was a good one, Father. Maybe the only one. But he was good. I want to trust you, Tallulah. God, how I want to. But the fact remains the same. You brought an Irishman to my home, and he paid the price. Now I need you to collect your things. You're coming to stay with me. I refuse. I refuse! Hear my words, daughter. This man left you all by your lonesome. It is over. You are coming home to your family where you belong. I had a family and you sent him away to get killed. Very well. I didn't want it to be this way. Daughters! Come, sister. Show your sister to her permanent home. Tallulah was quickly ushered to the carriage outside. Across the street, the Carson City Courier, known as Porter, finally arrived from the eastern frontier, worn out and filthy. 
clutching Malone's letter in his hand. Back to business! Ha! The next day in cremation, Malone stood at the bullet-riddled podium in front of a crowd of hungover workers. Yeah, um, so, okay. My name is St. Patrick Mullaney Malone. And whilst I didn't know the man called Labarge or Old Man or Old Man Labarge or whatever, I do know that he deserved better than what he received at the hands of War Metal. Uh, he was a good man. A strong man. Not like me. I've been called weak, cowardly, and is one writer with a bone to pick from the San Francisco Sentinel put it, a detriment to the craft of live theater. I can't think of any redeeming factor that could convince any of you to lay your lives on the line for me. Um, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Labarge, uh, sorry, the old man, taught me that this is hard land, meant only for the hardest of men. And so, we all need to be really, really hard. And, uh, but, uh, but, but, but this story, this story shall the good man teach his son. And Crispin and Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world. But, uh, but, uh, we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother, be he ne'er so vile. This day shall gentle his condition, and gentlemen in San Francisco now abed shall think themselves cursed. They will not hear in cremation and hold their manhoods cheap. Will Stanley speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's death. So who's with me? Oh. Hold on, hold on. I've heard the promises of the White Devil before. How are we supposed to fight War Metal? We'll be dead before his troops even arrive. Let's look at Lou. He controls the Chinese in the camp. We need him. Mm -hmm. Mr. Liu, I'm glad you asked that. As an ambassador of the White Devils, I can tell you one thing. We are nothing if not predictable. The trains do, in fact, run on time, and that is key. War Metal may be trying to starve this camp out, but I'll bet he has a dozen more in this territory alone, and all of them are going to need supplies. What good does that do us? Because we're robbing every last one of the sons of bitches. Out in the desert, the workers feverishly lay down track through the night as Malone looks over maps with Lou and Betsy. Malone rolls up his sleeves and picks up a hammer to help with construction. All right, boys, you can do it. Put your back into it. That's the ticket. Yes, sir. Malone and his ragtag band of miscreants have their work cut out for him. We'll leave him to it as it seems a certain handsome messenger has just arrived at the War Metal State out San Francisco way. Porter hopped the stone wall of the estate and hid in the bushes. War Metal was given orders to effigy before stepping up into a carriage with Poseidon and the other servants. As the carriage pulled away, effigy opened a hidden door on the front facade of the house and slipped inside. Porter stuffed Malone's letter into his satchel and crept across the grounds. He slipped past Grendel's empty chair on the veranda and peered down onto the mausoleum in the backyard. Socks patrolled the grounds with a Winchester in hand and a bandolier crossing her chest. Her white dress was still inexplicably wet. 
Porter snuck past Socks and entered the mausoleum. Tallulah sat on the marble floor of the mausoleum in a worn, dark yellow dress, picking the leaves off clovers. Who's there? She turned to find Porter, who held out Malone's letter. Who are you? What have you given me? He's, he's alive? My Irishman's alive? You must take me to him. We will all meet him again when it is our time. Brit? Sisters? What are you... Put that gun away. No. But Malone is alive, and he still loves me. Your man lies. He lied to this family, and continues to lie from the cold clutches of the grave. And is this man another traitor you have brought into our home? Another Irishman, no doubt. Bryn shot Porter in the leg. He fell to the ground, screaming a silent scream. Grundle looked on intrigued at the man's refusal to make a sound. Sister, what would you have given for just another moment with your beloved effigy? Oh, dear Socks, what would you give to see Lewis? I will not be denied my reunion with the man I love. There is but one man who will never leave us. Don't you see? Father has only used us to bring him his precious company men. Damn his crucibles and... And... Well, damn him too! Rejoice, sister. You shall meet your husband sooner than you thought. Grundle shook her head at Porter. Porter nodded his head. Grundle shook her head again, and I'll be goddamned if Porter didn't shake his head in return, tricking Grundle into a nod of agreement. Goodbye, sister. <laughs> Grundle leveled Bryn with a well-placed swing of her sack. Bryn was knocked out cold with the sack splitting open, spilling hundreds of dead birds. Socks backed away, steadying her Winchester. Trouble. This is trouble. You're free, sister. Come with us. You are free now. No. No. Mother. Do you remember your crucible socks? Lewis. Do you remember how father said Lewis had drowned in the fountain? I've never told you this, but I always suspected foul play. Why would a champion swimmer like Lewis drown in ten inches of water? Ah. Like you, sister, wanted so badly to believe father, but how can I? Sister, all those nights of watching you wade through the fountain were living that dreadful day. I guess I just miss the sister I used to know. My sweet, dry sister. I'm soaked. I'm completely soaked. I know, sister. I know. But you don't have to be anymore. Try off, sister. And join us. Socks looked up with a fire in her eyes as she cuffed her Winchester. Grundle draped Porter over her shoulder and the four exited the mausoleum, leaving Bryn unconscious on the floor. Effigy entered soon after they left and knelt beside Bryn, scooping her up in his arms. He carried her up to her bedroom and laid her on the bed. Every piece of furniture in the room was draped with black satin. She began to stir. 
Effigy kissed her forehead and headed back to the bookcase. Effigy? He took one last look before tilting a book on the shelf to open a hidden door. Rest, my dear. Rest. Next morning in the vast desert surrounding cremation, a train slowed as it approached a block in the tracks. Dick Decker, the conductor of the train, stared at a detour sign pointing to a flimsy, hastily constructed track jutting off from the main line. What the hell is this? Guess we're taking the scenic route, boys. Slow and steady. The flimsy detour rail took the train off course. Ten other rails snaked in from all around to a cluster of motionless trains. Decker's train crawled to a stop in the middle of the ten rails that all ended in the same area. He hopped down beside the crews of the other trains, who all looked as confused as he did. Another conductor approached. Mind telling me just what in the Sam Hill's going on round here? I was hoping you'd tell me. Looks like every damn war metal train in the territory has been directed here. I can see that, numbnuts. What the hell for? Someone's ass is likely to get kicked for this. A lone figure approached the crews on horseback. Waves of heat rose off the sand, distorting the figure. Dust kicked off either side of the rider like the wake of a riverboat. It was Malone, grizzled, having not shaved in a couple days. A ragged poncho replaced his dandy suit, and atop his head, he wore the conductor hat of Prefontaine Labar. <laughs> Morning, lads. Kind of you to be assembling all in one place, and with all those lovely supplies you really shouldn't have. Uh, just what the hell are you trying to pull, mister? Consider it a message for your employer, company man. We folks over in cremation are awful thirsty, and wouldn't you know it, you gents have full bowsers. I'll be unburdening you of your heavy loads this warm and toasty morn. Do you know who you're stealing from? Our employer will come down on you with all the furies of hell, son. Aye, that he will. Now, if you'd be so kind as to disembark your men from these trolleys, and scuttle on back home, it'd be much appreciated. What would you do if I were to tell you we were going to spike you to the dirt and let the buzzards peck out your innards? Oh, I'd say you'd have to take that up with our complaint department. The men and women of cremation approached on the rails atop twenty seesawing handcars brandishing various types of weaponry. Then again, we may be heading home earlier than expected. Hey, I thought you might. Malone and his men sent Dick Decker and his companymen packing before descending on the trains, stripping them of their water rations, rifles, and ammunition. Malone busted open a crate to find it filled to the brim with ticking oh, pocket for... watches. Ah. Back in San Francisco, Atlantis War Metal addressed his private army at the War Metal Rail Yard, and he was none too happy. I am none too happy. Poseidon and the servants handed out weapons to the soldiers as they boarded the all-black War Metal Express. As Malone's people returned to cremation, placing rifles in open windows, Lou fixed a gap to go to the top of the reconstructed water tower. Out in the desert, caught between predator and prey, Porter set up camp as Socks and Grundle tended to the horses. Tallulah kept to herself, 
or worried gaze fixed permanently to the east. Thanks for listening, and be sure to gird your loins for the explosive conclusion to Full Tilt Malone. You made it this far, you kinda owe it to yourself. Anyways, this episode is brought to you by Rusty's Revolvers. Even if you wing them, the tetanus will sure zing them. And the UC Interrail postage outfit of Carson City, when post-haste ain't hasty enough. Yes, the stuff in the margins. What is this? This shit.